You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on the Mighty 1290 Coil, the Mighty1290Coil.com, and the Mighty 1290 Coil mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. We had some big news uh, about a week ago or so with the passage of a budget. I can't believe that actually happened. And we're going to give you some of that information uh, as it relates to the Cadillac tax and what that means for your business. But first, want to get the thoughts on 2015 from Alan Hager, our guest co-host extraordinaire, who's done a fantastic job this last year filling in the hot seat for me as I've been mostly out all over the heartland talking to people about all of these compliance requirements that are really threatening them. And they, they frankly don't quite know about them. And so I enjoy being out there as I do enjoy being here and talking to Alan. How's it going today? It is going wonderful. Thank you for having me on the show. So you, um, we, you've, you've hosted probably, what, five or six times yep. uh, throughout the last year. And mm-hmm. some of the things uh, you talked about were, were really important and spot on, in particular this issue of ICD-10. And you're kind of the uh, technology guru. And uh, could you tell us, a little bit of uh, uh, a review what ICD-10 is and in the developments that happened earlier this October. So uh, ICD-10 uh, was an update to our billing codes uh, in healthcare that uh, we see uh, come across in your bill, and uh, they went from uh, ICD-9, which was about old oh, 10,000, 15,000 codes, to uh, ICD-10, uh, which was about 160,000 codes. And this is these are codes on how uh, your bill, uh, different procedures, different medicines, different things that uh, the nurses and the doctors and the techs do in a hospital or even in a, in a patient visit. Uh, they're all about how different things are uh, coded. And so you may not understand those codes, but so they updated them from uh, ICD-9 to 10 and about a 2,000% increase in the number of codes which may, in some thoughts, make the bills more complex, but at the same time, they're getting very uh, much more specific information, which allows for big data. And we talked about data uh, analysis on the program before, mm-hmm. and this will allow for hopefully better quality of care. Uh, and honestly, the ICD-9 to 10 transfer was was a non-event, much like Y2K. So... Uh, they thought it, it was going to be a big deal, right? They really did. Um, the worst thing that I heard was that uh, uh, some of the different codes didn't transfer, and so bills were wrong, but uh, folks on the billing side in some areas of the country caught it and fixed it and sent out new bills mm-hmm. uh, to the patients and, 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 and called those patients and let them know, hey, throw away the prior bill. It's not correct the new ones on the way. So really it was a non-event. I think it was more of an event for just the doctors having to learn new codes, new terminology, new technology. And that's where we help at E.D. Bellis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, for them, I think it takes more time away from the practice or from treating patients now because they have to sit and they have to actually code their bills or work with uh, uh, someone above them in uh, billing or registration to get those codes right. Because they do have to sign off on those 
uh, before they actually do go to register uh, to billing. I gotcha. I gotcha. This was all driven. Essentially, they're trying to get better ways. That, uh, I guess at being able to analyze data to treat uh, disease. Isn't that their thought process? That, that was that is one thought process. The other is we hadn't updated our coding technology in twenty plus years, and the re- the rest of the world is on ICD ten, mm-hmm. and we're still lagging behind on ICD nine, primarily because it's it it was cheap, and that's you know, healthcare doesn't spend a lot of money on the billing side of the technology. Uh, and so they wanted the, the, the administration was one of the drivers behind the update, uh, CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Sciences. Um, and uh, they gave incentives to hospitals to move to ICD-9-10 before they started carrying a big stick because they delayed the pro the project uh, three or four different times. I gotcha. I gotcha. So it's something to, I guess to manage. I guess it is nice that we're caught up to the other standards, but we've certainly got a long ways to go. I'm looking at some of our old segments for for the year, Alan, on on SoundCloud page, and I encourage you if you're listening, uh, whether you're listening later on our on our podcast or listening live here on the Mighty Twelve Ninety Coil over the noon hour. We appreciate your time and listening. And just we had a, a ton of information on these uh, mergers that I've talked about, making sense of merger mania, a tidal wave of mergers and acquisitions, examining the Medicare and as examining Medicare and the Willis plus Towers Watson mergers. Those are all really important segments to to think up. Um, one of them also was an insurance oligopoly, which we might play later. Any thoughts on on what's happening there and and what it means for consumers? Well, I think that when you look at the mergers this year, both on the insurance side, the hospital side, and many other different forms of of mergers within healthcare, uh, you know, an- the Anthem and Cigna deal for me is probably one of the more important ones because uh, Anthem has to meet the Blue Cross insurance requirements to be able to label themselves a Blue, a Blue Cross Blue Shield provider of insurance, and so. By them taking Cigna on, they fall out of compliance with the 80% rule that you have to have for insurance, uh, uh, for your insurance company to be able to have that uh, title designation from Blue Cross. And so my assumption is, and many other uh, industry leader experts, such as yourself, we've discussed this, that they're going to have to cut insurance plans both from Blue Cross as well as Cigna, to meet the requirements. And mainly, I would expect that those plans would be the Cigna plans that fall outside of uh, of that 80% that they will shed, which, again, limits choice of the patients and the consumers. And, you know, when the president made the comment, uh, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it, well... Unfortunately, because of mergers, which was is a main driver within the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're seeing plans go away because uh, they don't meet either the minimum benefit requirement or, uh, in Anthem's case, the Blue Cross designation. So they shed those plans, and you're out on your own trying to find a new plan, and that's when small businesses need to come to Ed Bellis to help them find the right plan or uh, captive or whatnot uh, 
to, to offer to their uh, consumers. And so uh, at the end of the day, that's that to me is a big one. And uh, I would say coming up in 2016, you want to look at uh, hospitals mm-hmm. uh, that uh, are, are merging uh, because I think the FTC is going to have some things to say. They already had things to say in 2015 about hospitals merging, especially if they reside in the same city. And so uh, from a merger perspective, I think the hospital side of the coin in 2016 is where we're going to see a lot more action uh, of the federal government blocking mergers more so than on the insurance side. Right, right, yeah. It's interesting, but how, how do you think this all translates to, to patients and um, consumers of health care? Well, I think that because you limit choice, and there are studies that show that when you've uh, taken away an insurance company and put them under another insurance company's umbrella, that it raises costs. And so what we have currently in the insurance marketplace is all of these mergers, whether it's uh, Anthem and Cigna or Aetna and Humana and others, you limit choice, which in turn raises costs. I know it sounds strange, but it does. Even though these guys are saying that, oh, trust us, it's going to lower costs because we'll be able to use the economies of scale to lower costs. The recent history of mergers in healthcare insurance does not prove that to be accurate. And so uh, you have a higher deductible, you have higher premiums, which leads to people saying, really, why do I even have health care if I can't even use it? That's another theme that we've, we've covered many times. Uh, on the show this week, which is, uh, or this year rather, which is um, how some of these deductibles are, are much bigger than what people can actually afford should they actually have an issue. And so that, I guess, opens the doors for other types of, of strategies that they might want to look at, like telemedicine or maybe right. even concierge medicine or something like that. You know, and there's a huge push in Omaha with uh, whether it's M- uh, members MD or uh other types of concierge medicine or uh, informational medicine type providers, um, there's a huge push for that. But on the flip side, uh, there's a push at the legislative level and the executive level for uh, this idea of direct primary care where you contract with your own provider. uh, And this next legislative session will be interesting here in Nebraska as uh, Senator Reapy, who is a former CEO at Bergen Mercy, uh, will be taking on that uh, legislation. And so uh, look for that legislation to be dropped before uh, before January 20th, which is the last day in the legislature for them to uh, drop bills on the floor. So, you know, I think that that is something to watch because that could be that could be very impactful in the way we actually deliver care, and I think it's a good idea, and I think that we could lower the cost for primary care visits that concentrates on wellness as well as treatment for, you know, things that can be corrected. Uh, it will lower the cost of that those uh, items uh, if we start to utilize that new form of uh, primary care. Mm-hmm. 
the other development, I think, uh, was the Cadillac tax, which was singled out uh, as well. It, it delayed, I guess, for two years to 2020. Yes. Something that really caused a lot of heartburn in the industry, all the way from unions to small businesses to others. Right, and I think that you, when you look, when you talk about unions and others, that's also why I think those folks were looking at getting exemptions from the Affordable Care Act was because the Cadillac tax would impact them drastically on the the, the uh, their premium and and what their what services and what benefits are able to offer their uh, their members, and while they delay it two years. I think that if they get a Republican president in the White House, you'll look at you'll see a move to actually repeal the Cadillac tax or replace it with some other type of uh, fee, so to speak, that uh, will. Uh, if, it, if they repeal, if they, I don't know that they can repeal it fully, but I think that. They're trying to give themselves enough time, hopefully, to get a Republican president in the House or in in in, in D.C. so that they can uh, look at how they can change this. Because with this current administration, they're not going to get any movement or change on items like that. Because as you as you're aware, the Secretary of Health and Human Services and other people within the uh, Obama administration want the Cadillac tax to stay against the will of the people. The interesting thing about it is getting rid of it. It it uh, well, the, the the supporters of the law many times will say that it saves money over time or that it's budget neutral or budget positive. But the reason is why is cuz there's 19 new taxes in the law and this is one of the bigger ones and so it'll be interesting to see how public perception uh, of the act plays out in the next year as the the potential cost of the law might actually go up. Absolutely, totally. Which we know is going to happen all along. Oh, well, and if we change the law, and, and, and this is the part that consumers need to be aware of, if they change the law or try to repeal it, they're going, the, the costs of doing that are so staggering that it will impact every segment of our economy. And so I would, if I, if you're a Republican, I would be very hesitant to say repeal Obamacare. What are you going to replace it with? I don't know that we have anybody out there who has really given a solid plan out there to not just repeal it, but replace it with something that is more friendly to consumers and concentrates on actual health of consumers rather than the insurance side of the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's many times uh, referred to as health insurance reform because mm -hmm. in many ways it, it really is. There are There is a lot of things happening in the other parts of it, but it seems like we're spending an awful lot of time talking about the health insurance side of things. What was one of your favorite segments? Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot from the year, that, and then we're going to go ahead and play that next. Uh, I, the, the segment after that, I believe, is your interview of me, which they're not going to want to miss. Absolutely. No, they're not going to want to miss that. I would have to say I think my favorite segment of the year was uh, the uh, insurance ogopoly, where we interviewed, uh, I believe it was Stuart, one of our insurance experts. Uh, and 
we were talking about mergers and we were talking about acquisitions and we were talking about how that impacts patient care. Okay, well, I think we actually have that one queued up here next, so we're going to play that segment next here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Hey, Alan, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, react to 2015. We look forward to your thoughts in 2016. Any final thoughts? Uh, I would just uh, tell consumers the same thing that I've always told them. Keep your eye on what's going on in the insurance marketplace. Stay informed. Contact Sean, contact D.D. Bellis, and most of all, listen to America's Healthcare Challenge because you only get the correct news about what's going on right here every Saturday between noon and 1. Hey, thanks for that uh, shameless plug, Alan. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, Sean. Hey, you have, have a great day. All right, you too. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next year. That was Alan Hager here on America's Healthcare Challenge. When we come back, we're going to play that segment that he singled out. It is a really good segment is this an insurance oligopoly that is coming as a result of all of these changes in the insurance industry, all, all of them actually playing out in 2015? This is America's Healthcare Challenge. We're looking at what happened in 2015, and we'll be back right after this.